There we go. Are we on? All right. It's good to be together this morning. Let's uh, stand and shake someone's hand that you don't know. Come on. Be a welcoming Christian today. And if you're new, that means you have to shake everybody's hand. Oh, good. Let's go ahead before the kids come in. Let's, before the kids come in, let's uh, pray fire down from heaven. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Father, we believe that you have the ability to change our world. We believe that you have the power to make a difference in our lives. We believe that your presence changes everything, so we ask for that presence today, that we may see your glory and we may experience your power and your presence today, because to see you would be to change everything in our lives. We love you. We just pray that you are encouraged by our worship today, encourage our hearts to seek your face, to be open to your word and your ways, and to hear your spirit clearly today. In Jesus we pray, and all God's people said, let's stand and worship. Death is defeated. 
sing a little louder and sing a little louder.
share something before this next song. So I was woke up this morning and the devil did not want me to sing this next song. And there's people in the room this morning that I know need to hear it. And so I just, my prayer for you this morning is that you listen to what God is telling you this morning, what the Holy Spirit wants to put on your heart. Because um, I don't know what he's doing in the room this morning but he's doing something good. And this next song, he did not want to be sung. So I'm excited about it. I'm going to try not to cry. But um, let's just worship Jesus this morning. Okay, here we go.
here with me. There's no need to cover what I already see. You've got your reasons, but I hold your peace. You've been all locked down, and I hold the key. Cause I loved you before, you knew it was love. I saw it all, still I chose the cross. You were the one that I was thinking of when I
so much for this time of worship in your house this morning. Be with our kids as they pop up. Be with our teachers. Be with pastor this morning. And we just pray that you are blessed by our worship and word today. God, we love you. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, amen. We're popping up our middle schoolers today. And in speaking to the middle schoolers, I understand this is a moment of dread for some of you. Because you used to get to go to a room and act crazy and out of sight of your parents so you could do things and your parents wouldn't notice it. But now you got to sit and face the evil eye of your father as you mess around and he looks at you with that. That's what my dad used to do. Or you get the leg squeeze from your mother. That means stop right now. I had that for my mother. Or you get the look from the preacher and your parents see him looking at you. So now they're embarrassed because you acted up and I had to look at you to settle you down. And it's just, it's just, it's just different for you. I used to get bored to death listening to a preacher drone on and on and on. And there's always a comedian setting the example to the kids. <laughs> that was a joke. So maybe this will help, maybe it won't. You need to understand that this room is a place where heaven and earth meet every week. Heaven and earth meet. We welcome God through our worship. Worship that might seem strange to you. We sing songs of praise to a God that you may not have known yet. Some of the words you understand, some of them you don't. In that worship, some are going to get on the floor and some are going to raise their hands and some are going to cross their arms and some are going to yawn the whole time. And you might have difficulty understanding what's going on. They're trying to connect with God. So my counsel to you is listen to the words that they say about God and watch the people and how they sing because it says something about their God. Some are just a little bit more crazy than others. It's not weird or wrong. It's just they're crazy. And that's okay to be crazy for Jesus. We will give short, simple announcements and I forgot what our announcements are this morning so anything that we had going on. None today. We'll mention the value of tithing and offering, which is just nothing more than don't come to worship God empty-handed. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get a lot of jokes out of that one. Then comes the preaching, and it's rarely designed for your age. I don't sit around thinking I'm going to preach to middle schoolers, but I do every week. And it doesn't mean you can't gain an understanding of God through it. My suggestion is use a paper Bible, not your phones. Because you'll be tempted to be other, watching other things and reading other things and doing other things on your phones. 
I'd tell your parents not to give you your phones, but I know that's not going to happen in this modern day. That was a dig to the parents. <laughs> For 45 minutes out of your week, just listen to a man of God preach the word of God. That's all we're asking. And you won't hear God clearly if you're occupied with earthly things. So we want you to be focused on what God is saying. And you might pick one word out of a whole sermon that might change your life. And ask questions. Jesus was 12 years old when he was found in the temple talking to preachers about the word of God. He would go to church. He went to church like a similar Sunday of us as us. But he stayed behind and asked question after question after question after question. If your parents are faithful church members, I would just suggest go to them first and ask the question because they want to be the spiritual leader of your home. Amen? Amen. They want to be that. So they want to answer your questions. If they don't have the answers, they'll get the answers for you. And if they won't get the answers, then come to one of the pastors of the church or or, or, uh, a deacon or somebody that looks like they know something, (laughs) which is usually not me. It's a joke too. You can ask Pastor Mark and Barbara Verlin and Sharon, Pastor Angelo and Anya. You can ask. They can, you can always speak to my wife except for today. She's at home sick. But we're available to you, especially the middle schoolers. Church may not always be entertaining or engaging like this moment right now or inspiring. But every Sunday it's a possibility of meeting God in a way that you've never met him before. Every Sunday is the possibility of meeting God in a way you've never met him before. And finally, you are welcome at this altar. There's not a major spiritual decision that I ever made in my life that wasn't made right here on my knees before God. It's where I humble myself before God. I talk to him here more than I talk to him any other place on the planet. I spend a lot of time here during the week. A lot of time, well, obviously I'm preaching from the pulpit today. My altar is your altar. So let me also add this to parents. It's in middle school that I quit going to church and fell into sin and fell away from God. And brought shame to my family and to my own life. I'd lived with guilt for years because of the sin that happened at 13 years old. Because I told my parents I wasn't going to go to church. My parents made the mistake, the mistake, the mistake, the mistake of saying, okay. Middle schoolers are still your children. And you are responsible for their spiritual. So, so don't let them just pick and choose God the way they want to pick and choose God. You're supposed to lead them. There's a lot of things that you don't let them watch or or participate in because you know it's not good for them. Church is good for them. Whether they like it or not, it's good. Whether they like it or not, it's good for them. Whether they're bored or not, it's good for them. Whether they care or not, it's good for them. This would have been the best place for me to be in my teen years. And I was out doing other things. So parents, we're not only popping them up, we're popping you up. Middle schoolers are on that in that beautiful place where they can find God easily. 
or they can flee God easily. We want to help you with that. So let's, uh, let's pray for the kids real quick. And I'm going to get down on my knees because sometimes you've got to tell your body what your heart needs to be saying. And that is to humble yourself before the sight of the Lord. Father, in this room are middle schoolers who, from a church standpoint, are no longer viewed as children. And the possibility of them coming to know you, not just as Savior, but as the Lord of their life, is part of this journey that's starting right now. I just pray, Lord God, that you would encourage them and their parents to recognize the importance of this moment right here. Things are changing in their lives right now. And they're living in the worst America that I think has ever been. And they're going to need God more than ever before. Than more than any other generation that has ever come before, this generation desperately is going to need God. So we ask that you just encourage them to be hungry for the word and encourage the parents to encourage that hunger. We love you, Jesus. We're thankful for you. In Jesus, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, let's, uh, let's call some kids up. Yeah, help me. Where's Iris? Come on up, Iris. Give her a hand. Here's the Bible for you. How exciting. Where's Layla? Where's Austin? Austin. Where's Austin? Nevea. Oh, running from the side. There you go. All right, let's go with Kimber. I'll take it. Where's Vienna? She shows her. Your dad says, another Bible? Don't listen to him. Just keep piling them on. Where's Sarah Robinson? What'd you do? Oh, that happens. Yeah, we should have helped her down. It's, where's Carter Bird? There you are, my friend. Welcome. All right, let's go with Haley. I'm going to make you come all the way up here. 
There you go, Haley. This one I remember when her mom was 16 years old. And I did their wedding. Where's Cameron? You're with me now! Yes. Where's Ollie? And you're with me now, too. Let's give the kids a hand. There is a, um, well, let's dismiss the, the kids at this time. You want to see me next week? Yeah. I know, I'm, I'm that good looking. Everyone who wants to see me. Children learning about Jesus. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. We, we were actually going to have a, uh, this month of September, we were going to recognize those who are serving in the ministry, but we pushed, pushed it to October. So the leadership doesn't know that until now. So just so you know that we're going to recognize, because the teachers need to be recognized. Thank you, Cassie. Cassie moved that for me because she knows that I'm weak. Popping up. Parents, good job getting them in this far. Are you ready? Krista, great set. Give me faith to trust what you say, that you're good and your love is great. Because I don't know about you, but there's times that I'm broken inside. And I need his life in me. And sometimes you just got to come out of hiding. God, if you're not safe with God, I don't know who you're safe with. We're going to use two versions today. We're going to use the ESV and the King James. We're going to start with the ESV, or the, I'm sorry, the King James. Go ahead and call it up. Chloe's running our slides for us. I love it when teenagers serve God. It keeps them from getting the evil eye from their parents <laughs> and the leg squeeze. As we've been studying forever, and this is, by the way, I promise you, this is the last sermon, Isaiah chapter 6. <laughs> I, I, I promise. I might re go back to it at different times, but we're moving on. And we learned Isaiah, like many of us, sought to find God in a difficult time in his life. Maybe you're looking for God in a difficult time in your life right now. Maybe you're seeking who God is right now. Maybe you're not, but you need to. And the Bible tells us that if you seek God with your whole heart, you will find God. If you seek Him with your whole heart, you will find God.
And when Isaiah found God, he saw things he'd never seen before. He saw Jesus as king. His presence was larger than life itself. Surrounding Jesus were angels proclaiming his holiness, whose lives were constantly in service and in worship. He heard them say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And this vision shook Isaiah. I believe this with all my heart. When you see Jesus for real, it should shake you. Isaiah said in Isaiah 6, 5, Woe is me. Woe. I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Again, understand this. Before this moment, Isaiah could not see or hear Jesus in his life. And when presented by an angel, the offering of forgiveness through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, because of his confession of sin, Isaiah accepted the cleansing power of what we call the coal, or which is the altar. We could call it the cross, we could call it the blood. There's lots of names we could use. But he accepted the sacrifice of Jesus for payment for his sins. And his guilt was taken away and his sin was paid for. Meeting Jesus, confessing your sin should lead you to a place of freedom and peace. Where you no longer feel guilty for your sin because your sin's been paid for. It's been covered. It's been dealt with through Jesus Christ. Not through your good works or good looks, but through his. So dramatic was this miraculous event with Isaiah that when he heard God searching for someone to serve him, he cried out immediately, I'll go. Here am I, send me. He saw Jesus, was forgiven of his sins, heard God say, I need someone to go for me, and he said, I'll go. Tell me what to do, I'll do whatever you want me to do. And many in this room have had that experience. Amen? One day what you seemed to be blind to, deaf to, and couldn't understand changed. What was a mystery to you became a miracle that changed you. Amen? I mean, if that never happened to you, that's okay. I'll, I'll help you today too. But you should be like rejoicing at that moment. That what was a mystery that you didn't understand suddenly became a miracle. God changed your life through Jesus Christ. Or remember when you were okay with sin? Unless you got caught, because if you got caught in sin, then that was embarrassing. So you didn't want to be embarrassed. You weren't really bothered by your sin. You were bothered by being embarrassed. Re remember that? Am I the only one that remembers that? Like, I was okay doing what I wanted to do with my life, and nobody could tell me any different until it embarrassed me, and then it was like, you know. Remember when Sundays were for sleeping in and having brunch? At McDonald's because that's all you could afford. Remember when you laughed at people that went to church? You're laughing right now. You thought it was a cult. You thought they were crazy. You proclaimed you would never be one of those people. And yet here you are. Welcome to new life. 
You used to drive by, now you drive in. You used to visit and leave immediately after, but now it's like you live here. It's like you just can't get away. There's something here that just draws you to these people. Remember how you used to hate people, now you love them? It's like what the 60-year-old hymn used to say, which, by the way, when I first learned this hymn, I was 10. So it was only 10 years old. But now it's a 60-year-old hymn. 70-year-old hymn. I can't remember. My math is wrong. But you're going to have to listen to me sing. Are you ready? Shackled by a heavy burden Neath the load of guilt and shame Then the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me, oh, he touched me, and oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. I know you didn't come to church to hear me sing. That's that's why I'm not part of the worship. Don't clap, that's even worse. (laughs) He touched me and made me whole. He touched me and made me whole. Jesus Christ changed my life. Where before I lived for me, now I live for him. Where before I thought about me, now I think about him. Before I served me, now I serve him. Now, last week we talked about how the Holy Spirit is needed by us. To see Jesus, you need to know, and to know Jesus, and for Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you need the Holy Spirit. And He's sensitive to that. He's sensitive to our needs. He's sensitive to the needs of salvation and the sin that keeps us from that salvation. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that this miracle that we were talking about didn't happen through the testimony of man's great speech or wisdom. So you're not going to get a great sermon today because I just don't do them. I don't even try. I used to try. Now I don't even try. Because Paul says in verse 2, the only thing you need to know is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's what you need to know. You need to know Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he goes on to say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that it wasn't enough, that it wasn't through his good health or good looks or good sermon prep. It was through the demonstration of the Spirit of God through the preaching of the Word of God that is what people needed. And the purpose of the Spirit was that your salvation would not rest in the wisdom of men, but that your faith would rest in the power of God unto salvation, that the Spirit of God would speak to you maybe through the preaching of the Word of God to where you would recognize and see Him like you'd never seen Him before. And I'm going to quote a verse because I think it's important. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 7. But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. 
But as it is written, and this is Isaiah chapter 64, verse 4. What no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor heart of the man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. See, without the Spirit of God, you can't see what God has in store for your life. You can't understand the love. You can't understand the joy. You can't understand the peace. You can't understand the strength that you gain from knowing God through Jesus Christ. And that secret of life change is revealed to us through the Spirit of God. Without Him, we could not see Jesus, understand Jesus, or feel Jesus. Jesus is just somebody who was born one day in history and now is gone. I'm sorry, 1 Corinthians 2.10 says, These things has God revealed to us through what? The Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. It's not the Spirit of the world that opens our eyes and hearts to Jesus. It's not human knowledge that's going to give you a vision of Jesus and who he is. It's not the Spirit of human wisdom that's going to convince you that who Jesus is. It's the Spirit of God. The truth of Jesus isn't imparted by words taught from a human perspective, but taught from the Spirit of God Himself. It's a spiritual movement we need to understand what God is doing. Without the Spirit, the message of Jesus giving His life as payment for our sins is foolishness. And some of you might think this is stupid. But you don't understand them because you're trying to figure out spiritual things using natural wisdom. You can't figure out spiritual things with, with your natural logic. Because they're not on the same plane. See, the things of God are spiritually discerned. This is why some people hear the mystery of the gospel and don't receive it. It's not logical. Because that's what we want. We want to understand it from a logical standpoint or a scientific standpoint. When it's a spiritual stand, it comes from a spiritual standpoint. A man who proclaimed to be born of a virgin makes no sense to the logical mind. A man who claims to be born of a of a virgin makes no sense. To a man who proclaimed to be the son of God makes no sense. Why would God send his son down to this place? I don't even like my kids being on this planet. When we talk about him being crucified, it might make, I'm sorry, whoops, I said that wrong. When it says that this man had never sinned, Jesus never sinned, it makes no sense because we know that if he was human, he had to have been tempted to sin and then probably sin because that's what, when we're all tempted. Like the other day I was trying to decide whether to buy chocolate covered um, something. I can't remember what it was. But Deborah told me, don't buy it, don't buy it, don't buy it. But I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't fight it. It was calling out to me. And it was on sale at Costco. I mean, when you get something on sale at Costco, that's a big deal. Even if it's not healthy for you. So I bought them. 
and told my wife, dish them out just a few at a time to me. That didn't happen. I just stuck my hand right in there and just started. (laughs) I can't control myself. So it makes no sense that Jesus lived on this earth and never sinned to the natural man. But to the supernatural man, he has the ability to, to, to be tempted yet without sin, the scripture teaches. We might believe that a man proclaiming to be God and sinless might have lived on this earth, but to do the miracles that he did make no sense. Turning water into wine? I mean, if that was something that's real, that should happen all the time. Yeah, I was waiting. Someone's going to get excited. But it makes no natural sense because if you ever just got a, uh, filled up a, a, a jug of water and said, turn into wine, it doesn't happen. But he proclaims to do these miracles. We might believe that the man named Jesus was crucified, and it might make sense to be crucified for the payments of sin of mankind. Makes no sense. Why would he have to pay for my sins? I'm the one that did them. Why would he have to pay for them? Logically, it doesn't make sense. We might believe that he was buried in a grave, but three days later rising from the dead. Nope, no way. He did not rise from the dead because that doesn't happen. And why you need Jesus to pay for your sins makes no sense to the natural man. Why why do I need somebody to take my place? I can be good enough. I I only did a couple of little things, and now I, I haven't done them since whatever. See, the truth about Jesus sounds crazy and cultish in the natural mind. I have to admit, though, what is harder to deny is the testimony of many whose lives have been transformed by this man, Jesus. I'm talking about, not talking about those who started going to church and learned a new lifestyle to live. So they learned that we go to church every Sunday. Why do we go to church every Sunday? I don't know. That's just what we do. Or I read my Bible. I don't know why I read it. I get nothing out of it, but I do it anyway. I I stopped cussing. I stopped smoking. I stopped drinking. I stopped all these things because I know that the Bible says I'm not supposed to do them. But the only reason I'm not doing them is because this is a new lifestyle that I'm living. I'm not talking about those who've just got a new lifestyle. I'm talking about an angry man one day and a peaceful man the next. It's a man named the maniac. He's called the maniac of Gadara and he was whacked out. He was wild and he was crazy and he was nutty. They had to chain him up. They had to lock him up. He was screaming bloody murder. He was full of demons. You ever meet some guy like that? Don't elbow your husband. One day, he's just an angry man, and he meets Jesus, and Jesus casts the demons out of him, frees him from his, the, the bondage of his sin, and he's, next day, they show up, and he's clothed, sitting in, the, in his right mind. One day, he's naked, running around like a crazy man. The next day, he's clothed, sitting in his right mind. One day, he's angry, yelling, screaming, blowing a gasket, and now he's been changed by Jesus. I'm not talking, this didn't happen over a series of years where he learned how to control his anger. I'm talking about how Jesus Christ saved him from his sin and literally changed him in that moment. I'm talking about somebody who was 
physically broken one day and healed the next. The woman who had an issue of blood for 14 years, 14 years she got no healing from man. One day she sees Jesus, reaches out, touches the hem of his garment, and immediately the Bible says, immediately, the Bible says, immediately the blood stopped pouring out of her. Immediately. If this woman was in your family and she had medical issues and always had medical issues and always sick and always sick, and then one day she's not sick anymore. You would have to stop and go, what happened? I'm talking about a woman who is so buried in guilt because she's been married five times and now she's living with a guy that she was with. Her community's rejected her because she's not doing the right things that, that she should do in her life. And she's angry and she's bitter and she sees Jesus. She tries to shout him down. I always love it when people try to shout down Jesus because they're mad at him. And he offers her salvation and she trusts Christ as her savior. And the next day she goes into her own city to the people who rejected her and tells, tells them, hey, I met a guy who forgave me of everything that I've ever done. Come see this guy. One day you're a train wreck. The next day you're preaching truth about Jesus. From bitterness to evangelist. I'm talking about men who leave all to follow Jesus. Why would you leave everything the world has to offer to follow this man Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago who we don't believe is even alive, which he is. He's in heaven. And he's coming back really soon. And I'm pumped. But why would they leave all to follow Jesus if, if he wasn't something that was real or true? I'm talking about a woman who came to Jesus in the midst of a bunch of religious people. She was a prostitute. And she just comes upon Jesus and she starts pouring this ointment over him and this anointing oil all over him. And she just is weeping and just praising him and just loving on him and caring for him. One day she's a hooker. The next day she's headed to heaven. And she knows it. Jesus said about this woman in Luke chapter 7 verse 47. Wherefore I say unto you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. I love how Jesus wants to save the worst of us. The most messed up of us. And how you can watch these women who are total train wrecks. And then come and meet Jesus and they just become worshipers of this God who they know he's the only one that's ever loved them the way they should be loved. Something happened and now I know he touched me and made me whole. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened and now I know. He touched me. Made me whole. I didn't understand it. I just know what happened. 
There's one more story and we'll be done. Acts chapter 8, verse 26. We're just going to jump right into it. An angel of the Lord spoke unto Philip and said, Arise and go to the south, to the way that goeth down from Jerusalem into Gaza, which is desert. Let me just give you a little background here. This is a deacon by the name of Philip. He was in prayer. Deacons should be in prayer all the time. This is important because this deacon had the responsibility to make sure that the pastors were spending time in the word and in the ministry of the word and in prayer themselves. Yet they found time for prayer for their own selves. It's huge. And an angel appeared to Philip and we read on, I believe it's the Holy Spirit. It's this angel. But this angel told Philip to go up to this specific place and it seemed like a place of impossibility because he said, go to this desert place. Remember we talked about how doing the work of the ministry, sharing the gospel is a, is a difficult calling. It's hard and it, it's difficult because people don't want to hear and they don't want to see. They, don't, they can't understand because these things are spiritually discerned. And, Isaiah, and like Isaiah, he accepted the call to go preach the message of God, which is an impossible task. Philip was called by an angel of God, the Spirit of God, to go share the message of God, and he went. When he got there, he ran into an Ethiopian who was a high-ranking official. It's not who he expected. He expected to run into just some random Jew or maybe a religious leader, but he runs into an Ethiopian. And this Ethiopian came to Jerusalem to find God amongst the religious people. But he was returning because he didn't find what he was looking for. Let me make a statement. When you seek God amongst the religious, you'll never find what you're looking for. I talked to a young man yesterday who he can't see God because he, all he sees is hypocrisy of people who claim to be believers of God who aren't living it. You will never find God when you seek him among the religious. You'll find hypocrisy. You'll find arrogance. You'll find ignorance. But you won't find God looking for him there. See, what he was looking for was a mystery and what he needed was a miracle. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 29, the Bible says, And the Spirit of the Lord said to Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. Let me comment just real quick. The Holy Spirit spoke to Philip and sent him to share the good news of Jesus. Are you with me? The Ethiopian was seeking God about religious, amongst the religious people but couldn't find him. But in his search for God, he through his prayers stirred the Spirit of God up to contact Philip for help. He's looking for God. He prays to God. Help me find God. God says, Holy Spirit, go talk to Philip and go help him understand God. That's how this process works. Which is what Paul was saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 
that it's not by the wisdom of man's words, it's by this movement of the Spirit that leads us to Jesus Christ. And the Bible says, Philip ran, in the King James language, it says thither, which means there. Thither is better, because it's a King James word I can say. Thither, thither, thither. And he heard him read the prophet Isaiah, which is Isaiah. And he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And he said, How can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he should come up and sit with him. The Spirit of God told Philip to go over and join this chariot. And while Philip arrived, he could tell the Ethiopian couldn't understand what he was reading. And then asking the man if he understood, the Ethiopian said, Nope, I need help. Have you ever been there? I, I can read it, but I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me because Paul said in Second Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians 2 that it's spiritually discerned. You need the Spirit of God to understand the Word of God so you can understand the truth of Jesus. First Corinthians 1.18 says, For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us who are saved it's the power of God. So just putting some pieces together in this whole series that we've been in forever that you guys are tired of and you're bored of and you want to go on to something new. Isaiah surrendered to be a preacher. Paul surrendered to be a preacher. Philip surrendered to be a preacher. Not a pastor. A preacher of the gospel. So you may not be surrendering to be a pastor of a church, but you may be surrendering to be a preacher of the gospel. I love what the Bible says in Romans chapter 10 and verse 14. How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? See, not only is the Holy Spirit necessary, there's a preacher or a preaching, preaching aspect to it, to receiving Christ. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Want to see how beautiful they are? I'll get them off. I got pretty feet. Stop looking at them now. Weirdo. See, to God, those that preach the gospel of peace, those that preach salvation, those that preach Jesus, those that connect with the Holy Spirit and share the gospel of Jesus Christ, he says their feet are beautiful. Where they go, what they go through, is all for the purpose of people coming to know Christ as their Savior. So the Ethiopian eunuch invites Philip to sit with him. And, and let me just say this. Those seeking God will accept help. Those who don't will argue. Don't waste your time. If you're sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with somebody and they just want to argue with you, don't waste your time with them. The Holy Spirit is not telling you to try to convince somebody who's just arguing the Bible. Just walk away, shake the dust off your feet, and go talk to somebody who's interested. Boy, you guys are quiet today, making me nervous. Have you ever run into that person? They just want to argue.
So Philip sees that he's reading Isaiah chapter 53, verses 7 and 8. And he quotes it this way in Acts chapter 8 and verse 32. The place of the scripture where he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before his shearers, so he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his judgment is taken away. And who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. And the Ethiopian eunuch says, who is he talking about? He knows that the Bible's talking about someone, but he doesn't know who he's talking about. So Philip started preaching to him in the scripture. And here's, here's I'm going to read this verse because I think it's one of the most powerful verses in the Bible for me. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and, scripture and preached unto him who? He preached unto him Jesus. He didn't preach unto him 10 ways to be a better husband. He didn't preach unto him 10 ways to be a better wife. He didn't preach unto them 10 ways to go to church. He preached unto him Jesus. Why? Because what he needed was to hear about Jesus. What he was looking for was to hear about Jesus. What he needed was to understand who Jesus was. Because nothing else matters if you don't know who Jesus is. If you don't understand who Christ is, why do you care about what the church does? Because you don't understand the church if you don't understand the Christ. But he preached unto him Jesus. I'm just saying this. I think there's too many Christians that just want to sit around and talk about things that don't matter to heaven. When what matters is Jesus. Okay, that was fun. He preached that Jesus was a sacrificial lamb led to the slaughter by God to pay for man's sins. Jesus was the sacrificial lamb sent by God to pay for the sins of mankind. He preached that Jesus was the sinless man of God sent by God himself. That through Jesus, man should be reconciled to God through the forgiveness of sins. So he was sinless. And we're reconciled to God. We're brought back to God through what Jesus Christ did. This is called atonement. Jesus was a submissive man of God who had every right to say no to this sacrifice, but knew the only hope of mankind would be if he suffered for us. The only hope you have of salvation is if Jesus pays for your sin, because God won't accept your good works, because none is righteous to God. The only hope you have of your sins being forgiven is if Jesus Christ pays for your sins, and you accept Christ as the one who paid for your sins. Why is this room so quiet? Philippians 2.8 says, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death, the death of the cross. Because Jesus was sinless, death couldn't hold him. For the wage of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And Jesus said he was tempted in all ways as we were, yet without sin. So if death is caused by sin then he couldn't stay dead. And that through his death, we might have life. And the Bible says, and they went on their way and there came to a certain water and the eunuch said, see, here's water. What doth hinder me to be baptized? Romans chapter six and verse four says, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death. The like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, so should we also walk in the newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. If you go through Jesus for your salvation, you've got to surrender your life to his. 
just as he surrendered your life for you. In Acts chapter 8 and verse 37, and this is important because some of your Bibles don't have verse 37 in it. You've got 36, you've got 38, you don't have 37. And there's lots of reasons why, and I'm not going to get into that. I just want to make sure that this is clear. This is an important verse. That's why I'm using King James. Because this man heard about Jesus. He didn't understand Jesus. The Spirit of God brought Philip to preach the gospel of Jesus to him. He hears about Jesus, says, what hinders me from being baptized? And Philip says this, if you believe it with all your heart, you mayest. And he answered, the Ethiopian said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's called confession. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still, and they both went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. It's a quote from Romans chapter, not a quote from Romans 10, but Romans 10 quotes this, I believe. Paul said in Romans 10, 8, he says, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, and that, that is the word of faith which we preach. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whosoever believeth in him shall not be ashamed. He had to confess with his mouth the Lord Jesus that he really believed in his heart that God hath raised him from the dead. And the promise was, if you do that, if you believe that, if you trust that, Thou shalt be saved. Well, it doesn't sound logical. That's because it's spiritual, not logical. It's the Spirit of God that leads you to that. Romans eight thirty nine says, And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of God found, uh, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, and the eunuch saw him no more. But the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. He went from confusion to salvation to transformation which brought happiness and joy. So I don't know if the Ethiopian eunuch was an angry man. I don't know if he was a sad man. I don't know if he was a depressed man, but I know that after Jesus saved him, he was a happy man. History teaches that a few short years after this experience, Ethiopia had a spiritual revival where many came to know Christ and it changed the nation. Because this man went home and preached the same message that Philip preached to him. And people came to know Christ because of that, and it changed the nation. We keep talking about how this nation needs to change. I'll tell you how to change it. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with the people around you. Get some saved politicians in the office. That's about as political as I'm going to get. See, to the natural man, salvation will never be obtained because they're seeking understanding through the spirit of man, not the spirit of God. But to a man that feels a conviction of the spirit of God about their sin, the guilt that they feel, that can only come by the Holy Spirit. When the, the gospel is presented, they see Jesus. When they see Jesus, they confess their sin. When they confess their sin, they accept Christ as their Savior. And what was a mystery becomes a miracle 
And when that miracle happens, you become a new man. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, the scripture says, old things are passed away, but all things have become new. I see a lot of people who have never been changed. And it makes me wonder if it's just a logical thing for them to say they believe in Jesus, but they've never really confessed their sins and trusted Christ to be their Savior. Or they've prayed a prayer, but even the scripture teaches that some are going to get to heaven and say, Lord, Lord, have we not done all these wonderful things? Have we not gone to church? Have we not prayed a prayer? Have we not read your Bible? And he says, yeah, but you never knew me. You never saw me. You never understood me. One last note on Isaiah 6 and we'll be done. When Isaiah saw Jesus and his sins were forgiven, he made this statement. He says, I've seen the King, the Lord of hosts. This is a picture of Jesus Christ leading the armies of, of, of angels. It's a reference to the leader of the armies of God. Jesus is leading an army of angels to save people from their sins. And they are directed by the Holy Spirit to be, who is sensitive to your needs. He knows who needs to be forgiven of sins today. He knows who's feeling guilt and shame. He knows who has not trusted Christ as their Savior. He knows that you had no hope before you stepped into this room other than to be logical and change your ways. But you know you can't change your ways on your own. You've tried. And Jesus says, let me transform you through faith in me. See, the Holy Spirit hears your prayers today. And if you're looking for your sins to be forgiven, confess them and repent of them in front of the King. And He'll spiritually cleanse you of them. This is a spiritual battle between heaven and hell. Heaven and earth. I can even say that. Satan's doing everything he can to use, using his demons to keep you apart from God. He's telling you this message is foolishness. This message makes no sense. It's not logical. It wasn't intended to be logical. It was intended to touch the people who the Spirit of God has been working on to receive Christ as their Savior. To see Jesus in the way that the Bible says he is. See the King of kings and Lord of lords has sent us his spirit that we might see Jesus high and lifted up. The devil, devil's telling you don't see, don't hear, don't understand. He wants to blind you to the truth. Because if you get saved, the devil loses. If you trust Christ as your savior and be forgiven of your sins, Satan has no more hold on you. But right now he's got you confused. I believe this. At some point in your life, through the Holy Spirit of God, you'll either be fighting Jesus, fleeing from Jesus, fearing Jesus, or having faith in Jesus. And there's only one of those, faith in Jesus, that's going to transform your life. And the Holy Spirit right now is at war with the devil. The angels in heaven are fighting right now with the devil. 
for you to come to the knowledge of the truth. This morning, Krista's woken up at three o'clock in the morning and she felt she was being told not to sing this song. But she knew that it was the devil that was saying it. Come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. Come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. That's what the Holy Spirit's saying over and over again. Come out of hiding, you're safe here with me. Who is the Holy Spirit speaking to? Not through logic, not through man's wisdom, not through the, the perfect pitch of the sermon or the perfect words that I used, which I didn't. But who in this room is the Spirit of God speaking to right now saying, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you today? He wants to be a part of your life. He wants to pay for your sins. He wants to be your Savior. And the only hope you have to get rid of the guilt that you have in your life is if you confess your sins to him. Come out of hiding. You're safe here with him. Let's stand. Krista, we're going to sing real quick.
there. You're right there. You're right there. Satan's trying to distance you. God's trying to save you. into playing church. I'm into helping you know who Jesus Christ is. Who is the Holy Spirit speaking to in this room? Because I don't think he just had me plan this whole series for nothing. God, you're right there. You didn't even know it. It's right there. Heads bowed, eyes closed. How many in this room, the Spirit of God's been speaking to about your salvation? You've been dealing with the guilt of your sin. You've been struggling with the weight of it. You've tried to do right. You've tried to change your ways, but you just keep falling back into those old ways. And you're in this room, and the Holy Spirit has led you here on purpose to hear this word today because you've been wondering, how do I deal with my sin? Heads bowed, eyes closed. Do me a favor. If the Spirit of God is speaking to you right now about your sin, just do me a favor and raise your hand for me. Amen. The Spirit of God has been speaking to you. And he's trying to point you to Jesus because Jesus is the one that's going to change everything for you. So if it's right there, if he's right there for you and right there with you, just confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised you, raised Jesus from the grave. And thou shalt be saved. Do you believe that Jesus paid for your sins? 
Did you believe that he was buried and rose from the grave three days later? Have you called upon him, confessing your sin? Believing that he is the Savior? Have you made confession with your mouth that he is your Christ? Gracious Heavenly Father, The room is yours. I've gone as far as I can. I've tried to make sure that they understood. I'm trying to make sure that they connect with the Spirit of God. And I'm trying to make sure that they know who Jesus is to the best of my ability. But it's not in my words of wisdom or my ability to proclaim. It's in the work of the Holy Spirit to transform a life. Father, your word says this, and I'm going to read your word real quick while I'm praying. After that, the loving kindness, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared towards man. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to your mercy that you saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit, which you shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Holy Spirit, you've spoke to people. You see the truth of their hearts. You heard their confession of sin and heard their calling upon you to be their Savior. You've cleansed them of their sin. You've changed them now. They are new. Let them not be ashamed of the gospel. We love you so. In Jesus we pray and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Guys, if Jesus Christ has become new to you, Come talk to me, but don't look at my feet.